What does it mean to influence differently? Introducing Techfluential from Deloitte, C-suite conversations with tech-driven leaders. In this episode, host Lou DiLorenzo explores why the role of the CIO is changing and how successful leaders are embracing the opportunity. Today on Watching Your Wealth, how to teach your children your family history. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Michael Cole is president of Ascent Private Capital Management. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, Veronica. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. So, Michael, you have a new book out, and it's called More Than Money. And in the book, you remind us why it's important for our heirs to know our family history. Tell us briefly why our heirs should care about this. It's a great question, Veronica. It doesn't come naturally why people would care to know about family history and how that ties into wealth. But here's why. Family history is where our values come from. So significant events and influences of the people that were the wealth creator, wealth creators were what created their values, and their values are what create the vision for the future. It also helped ties the generations together. Very often we find that the story of wealth creation gets lost and people don't understand what was the, the impacts, the influences, and the struggles that the family went to, cre- to create wealth. And we think it's really important so that it ties the family together. In terms of sharing the struggles, like what kind of struggles might a family share and how can they make it relevant to someone who's, say, in their 20s and really doesn't have a concept of that sort of struggle, potentially? So, you know, the, the fact is wealth creation is never easy, right? There's always going to be, you know, bumps along the road. And often what happens is there's such a major sort of uh, disparity between wealth creators and wealth inheritors. And what we find is, is that having children in their 20s or even younger understand the family's challenges, struggles, and opportunities that were created in wealth creation helps align them much better and prepare them much better for the future. So we think it's a critical aspect of preparation of the next generation. As you've heard me say, almost 25% of the reason that wealth dissipates by the third generation is lack of preparation of the heirs. And we think this is one of the key areas that helps them align them around shared and independent values of the family. Preparing is so key because I think it's important for heirs to understand things don't always go up. Like the stock market doesn't always go up. It goes down, as we all know. And if you have, you'll have good times in your business, you may have bad times in your business or in your personal life. But people survive. They find a way to make it. And if they can learn that overcoming of those obstacles from their grandparents or parents, that can be a powerful message indeed. How can we share some of those lessons and opportunities of the founder? What, what Can you give us some specific examples of some lessons or opportunities you've heard families communicate to the next gen? So, you know, one of the things we've seen is is the value of, of hard work, the value of entrepreneurship. Um, you know, these stories that families have, and they're really the lure of the family, are the things that, that draw 
the family together and create great values. You know, when you think about some of the iconic families that are in this country, one of the things that you'll see as I research in the book, that there are examples of families that have an extraordinarily strong family culture. Those would be examples like the Rockefellers and the Kennedys and many others that have done a great job at building a strong family culture. And that family culture comes from understanding the family history, appreciating it, understanding the shared and independent values of each generation, and using those values to create a vision for the future. And so part of what we lay out in the book is really talking about, you know, the process around understanding the family narrative and how to use it as a tool to help bring the family together around a shared vision, shared values, and a, 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 uh, an opportunity to build the future along an aligned path. At what age should you start talking to your heirs about the family history? So I think the younger, the better, honestly. You know, one of the things that we, we try to do is we are very specific, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, around, you know, being generationally specific in your preparation. So, you know, even at, at very young age, say, you know, kids that are, you know, seven and five years old, you can begin to teach them about the history of the family, but do it in a generationally appropriate and specific way. Often what we do is we teach them through games. And there can be little games like, you know, we have a game we call the Lemonade Stand, which teaches about entrepreneurship. And through that process, you can embed in and talk about, you know, the family's history, the family business. You can share it through games. You can share it through, uh, we've done it through scavenger hunts. So the sooner that you begin the preparation, the better. The key is to making it generationally specific so that, um, that that preparing heirs and teaching them about history is not an event. It's a, it's effectively a lifestyle. It's something that goes on throughout the generations. I was going to say, when and how often do, do you do this? Is this at the annual family meeting or over Thanksgiving? So it's a little bit of both. You know, it doesn't have to be particularly uh, regimented. It's important that, you know, there's alignment among the family members that it is an important criteria. But, you know, we often find that telling stories at Thanksgiving time or holidays and then making it something that is specific in annual or biannual family meetings. So with many of the families we work with, we get to we help them get together as a family maybe once a year, maybe once every two years. And when they have those meetings, we make programming that is specific to each generation. And part of that is about family history. And we do it through a number of, of different ways, as I said. But the key is making it something that is fun, interesting, done in, in the right amount of, of, of texture and time so that it becomes something that, that families want to look forward to hearing more about and learning more about. What happens, though, if the values of the current, the youngest generation is so different from the values of that wealth creator? So even though you're trying to make things interesting and fun and compelling to that younger generation, they're just sitting there rolling their eyes like, I really don't care about great grandpa. What do you do? So, so that's an interesting question. So one of the things we found is, is that by 
really understanding the values, you begin to see that there are often shared values. There are also very independent values, and both of those things are okay. But if you can rely on those areas that are shared values as a way that keeps the glue of the family together, but also allow the next generation to have their independence and to let them take the history of the family, the resources of the family, and make it their own. And the key we do is we take them through exercises, which makes them understand that there are going to be values that we all share. They may see it a little bit differently, but when they truly design it around core values, they realize their values are not that different. They just are applied in a different way. And we also see that values are shaped over time and your history and significant influences create those values. So often just by exposing it, we, we get the family to see that they have, have both independent and shared values. Right, especially when it comes to something like philanthropy. Everyone may value giving back, or most people may value that, but it's just the older generations may approach it differently than the younger generations. They may have different causes they like to support, and that's okay. Maybe there's a a common pot of money that's used to support the family's traditional causes, but maybe the younger generation gets their own pot of money to dole out to their favorite causes. That's exactly right. I mean, when you look at it, the core values are very often similar. How they're applied is different. But what that creates, honestly, is when you create the shared alignment around your core values, then both generations become more tolerant around how those their core values are applied in specific causes or issues or opportunities that particular generations want to support. So we've seen that as an example where entrepreneurship is a core value. How that entrepreneurship gets implemented at different generations can be very, very different. Good example. Michael, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd love for you to take our fun financial quiz. Okay, I'll do my best. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcast because the future is closer than you think. All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. We're back with Michael Cole, author of More Than Money, who's going to take our fun financial quiz. Michael, you ready? I'm ready. I hope I can do it. <laughs> I think you can. Michael, what's the best financial advice you ever heard? Best financial advice I ever heard? Uh, to be diversified and to collect uh, lots of different opinions and information before you make a decision. Indeed. Worst financial advice you ever heard? Worst financial advice I ever heard? Jump in, both feet all at once. Oy. Fill in the blank. Money can buy opportunity fill in the blank money can't buy happiness and if you want a million dollars after tax what would you do with it create experiences and adventure sounds great thanks so much for joining us michael i appreciate it thanks for having me 
And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise.